Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On uh, this week's show, can Dumbo soar to new heights at the box office? Apple's new entertainment programs pique our interest. And will the magic return for Gearbox with Borderlands 3? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great pop culture programs. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend. He is our Dumbo Flyer from Humanica Media. You gotta listen to everything that's going on today at humanicamedia.com, Humanica Media on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and so much more. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. Dumbo's flying high once again, but how high? We're gonna be talking about that at the back end of the show. What's up? What's up, man? I was gonna make a joke about my ears, but then you kind of stepped on my punchline. So thank you for that. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. We were not even planning that. But you know what? I read your mind. I already saw that. And I just, you know what? I decided to go ahead and step in there with my own one-liner on Dumbo myself. But it is going to be a great show we've got for you today. We will be talking more about Dumbo, where it fits as far as what Disney is trying to put out there with all that's going on in Disney Is this going to be a movie that gets maybe ignored by the general public out there? Is it going to get swept under the rug? Does it have a real chance? And where does it stand among all the live action entries once we've seen last year and ones we're going to be seeing coming up? We're going to be talking about that at the back end of the show. Plus also as well, Tony Monroy from Game Source. He's going to join us in the middle of the show talking about all the great things that Apple was talking about earlier this week as they finally brought out some entertainment options that they finally introduced out there to the public that are on the way, including Apple Arcade and Apple Plus as far as a TV service is concerned and Apple Arcade Gaming. We're going to talk about that if that's a good thing or if we have some concerns about that. We're going to share our thoughts, both Josh, Tony, and I coming up in the middle of the program as well. But first, my friend, I know there's a lot to talk about out there in pop culture and a lot of other stuff that was going on. 
Angelina Jolie getting signed up for the Eternals. I know that sparked a lot of interest out there. I know those Avenger posters got everybody going off as far as who lived and who died. I know a lot of people were surprised to find out that officially Shuri did succumb to the snap that was out there, the decimation as they call it. I know a lot of people were were actually talking a lot about that and and also the fact that Valkyrie is probably going to be a player in the movie coming up, Avengers Endgame. But can I ask you a question before we go on to our first topic? When it comes to the Avengers posters, my friend, where was Heimdall and where was Maria Hill? Mm, Heimdall, oh, you're right, you're right. Yeah, because I don't know. they wanted to no, make it perfectly balanced. That's it, what they tried to do, but unfortunately, it was too. They, they uh, epic Maria band. Hill, she she snapped. I thought. Yeah, that's right. But she wasn't given a poster, so all the movies she's been in, I guess she's not an important enough character. Oh, because the Avengers: The Fallen thing. Gotcha. Did they? And and same thing with Heimdall. Same thing with Idris Elba's character. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, because there's some people in the poster who are still alive that I wouldn't have assumed would be of any importance in the movie, but they're in there still. Like Happy Hogan, for instance. <laughs> right, but Wong, like Wong's in there, like he, he in the poster. So I don't know, like what what part he's going to play. I don't know what the rhyme or reason is to their their poster creation. I saw something cool the other day. Somebody took the uh, defenders and put them on the Avenge the Fallen posters, which was pretty cool. So. I don't know. I don't know what their thinking is behind this. Well, I've got a thing for you to ask you on the air, my friend. Can you go ahead and Photoshop our icon, our little Mr. Thumbs Up? Can you go ahead and make him part of that's decimated and actually put him in black and white with Avenge the Fallen? Of course. I'll just snap snap this uh, this video right here and then throw it up there. That'd be awesome. That'd be That'd be great for our Facebook page, which you can check out. And also, hopefully, if you follow and like us, on our Facebook page, you can go out and check the latest and greatest in pop culture news and information, plus also the information of all the great shows. But that would be a cool profile pick right there. Have our Mr. Thumbs Up guy that, you know what, he needs to be avenged as well. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Thumbs Up guy. Yeah, sounds good. All right, my friend. But yes, it is going to be a great show. But first off, I know I can't delay it anymore. I know you've been excited about it for several days, and the announcement was finally officially made in that gearbox at pax east that they went ahead and announced that gearbox 3 is official and you know what it was is something that a lot of people were speculating anticipating and it was just a matter of time before it was announced your initial thoughts seeing the trailer that we actually have posted on our game source facebook page that you know, a lot of people are actually looking into. And is it on our popculturecosmos.com site as well? Yeah, it's up on our Pop Culture Cosmos site, www.popculturecosmos.com. You can catch all the trailers as well as a complete breakdown of what was talked about at the press conference. So tell me your thoughts first off about the trailer itself before we get into the press conference that was made by the folks at Gearbox, because I've got some things to say about Gearbox and its overall health coming up later. But first off, your initial excitement and anticipation over what's coming up with borderlands 3 are you gonna get all gloom and doom on us over gearbox no i just there's a reality to their situation and uh, you know borderlands 3 well like i said well let's talk about that in a sec but let's okay, talk about okay. your thoughts on the trailer it looks cool i love the introduction of the 
new vehicles to play as. They I love how they tied all the Borderlands mythology together. So you play as like Reese from uh, Tales from the Borderlands, and they had Scooter was peculiarly absent from the trailer. So I don't know. Uh, hopefully he's still in the game. He's one of my favorite characters. But Jack was in there too, correct? No, I don't think because so, he's dead. They said they they made a big deal about that before they went up on stage or while well, they're up on okay. stage talking about it. The- it looked like someone like Jack, so it was my bad. Well, a lot of the characters do. One of the Vault Hunters does look like an older Jack, so it's that's curious. But the big complaint I'm hearing is that people want to be able to play as older Borderlands characters. Because you notice how they show Tiny Tina doing the high five. Uh, I don't know why they felt the need to show Brick playing the saxophone for a whole minute. But no, the gameplay looks cool. The environments look cool, too, because it looks like we're breaking out of that wasteland feel and they show you see the city in there how that, that futuristic city looking deal i like yeah that. i'm curious what that's going to be like again i love the new vehicles and over a billion guns is absolutely ridiculous what the trailer was missing was claptrap they showed him one briefly being uh electrocuted or whatever he's he's stuck to that little circle but there wasn't really a lot of claptrap and that's the staple of borderlands but it looks like this one has a as we were discussing earlier, this one has a more darker narrative to it, you know, because it actually has a a villain. It looks like it has villains that aren't jokes. So, so like, uh, you know, Handsome Jack was always he was sarcastic. He was evil, but he was sarcastic. Whereas these two villains, whoever they are, brother, sister, husband, wife, whatever they are, they look to be a little more serious. Like there's something more at stake in this game. And I'm curious how that's going to play out i'm also curious how much of this game had the influence of the former writer that left the project i want to say a couple years ago that's something i wanted to ask you and i know you'd mentioned it on social media as well beforehand and that is the fact that one of the main writers has left gearbox some time ago to me one of the best things about borderlands one and two Yes, obviously the the infinite, um, the seemingly infinite amount of guns that you could collect, as far as the different types, the different damage that it can do, and you drop one, grab another, drop one, grab another. Seemingly, it, you know, there are cool ones each and every time that you can pick one up. But to me, the backbone of Borderlands One and Two is the story and the writing and the dialogue, the funny dialogue and the interplay, claptrap, of course, but the in between the characters themselves, the personalities that was put and bred into them as far as the hard work that the folks at Gearbox did to create that environment. The the writing to me is just so important to the Borderlands 1 and 2 mix, making those games so special. What are your fears coming up in regards to Borderlands 3? And like you said, because it has, by all appearances, a much darker tone, how could that affect the overall game as, as it were as far as possibly going into a wrong direction because the writing may not be there as well as it was in Borderlands 1 and Borderlands 2? You know, that that's a good question. I, I don't really fear that the writing is going to be lacking anything because, you know, look at Tales from the Borderlands, right? That was a telltale game. And that was narratively pleasing to me, and it wasn't written by the original Borderlands writers. So they can't risk putting out such a big game and not having strong writing in it. You know, the hope would be that there is some remnants of the the attitudes and just the way the old characters were portrayed. But at the same time, I know that this is a huge deal for them. Like this is if this game fails, their prospects are not going to be looking so hot. So 
this is very important to them. This press conference, though it was a very sloppy press conference, and someone's probably going to get fired for that. It was important. There's a lot hinging on it. it. This is Borderlands is their game. When people think about Gearbox, they think about Borderlands. No one cares about Bulletstorm, Duke Nukem, We Happy Few. Their flagship is Borderlands, and I don't think that they would go into this without having a decent writer. Let's hope so, my friend, because like I said, to me, that was the backbone of what made Borderlands 1 and Borderlands 2 so special and really fun to play as games was the fact that it was very well written. The level of detail whenever you went to a new city or new area just seemed to be there, and it just were games that I really enjoyed playing. No, they weren't the greatest of games, but they were just really fun to play. Just uh, like, I guess what, eight and a half, nine, nine games as far as out of 10 scores for me were in that area for Borderlands 1 and 2, that which made it so enjoyable. And did they redefine the genre? No, but they did just enhance it quite a bit with a lot of different variating gameplay. The guns, like, I, like we said before, having so many different options and the quirkiness of it was really a lot of fun as well. And the vehicle play, which, like you said, should be enhanced with all the different vehicle options that are going to be there. And similar to the Titans that we see in Titanfall, I think that was an option as well from what I saw, correct? Yes, I don't know if you can drive them, but you know, as far as the looter shooter goes, as far as I'm concerned, they invented the genre. Okay, well, that's then the, if you want I mean, to go they, ahead, they are the standard for me. Like that's the okay. They perfected it, in my opinion. All right, until they started asking for microtransactions, and then it's all downhill from there. Right, because right? all these gamers, like, there's people out there going, "Well, if they don't make it more like Destiny, it's not going to succeed." That's bull. If you could see the hype going on during that press conference and all the people ringing up the comments on Gearbox and IGN. There's clearly people love this game for what it is. And if they like the 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 size of relief in the room that happened when they announced it wasn't a battle royale game was just immense. There's a lot of popularity for this game. And I think if they changed any aspect of the way that it's played, then it would anger a lot of people. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun, or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. Well, the one game it doesn't really need to be like is Destiny, because as we've seen with Destiny, Destiny 1 and 2 did not hit the numbers that made Activision happy, and it led to a, I don't want to say a messy divorce between them and Bungie, but it, it was something that it should have, they should be working on Destiny 3 right now with Activision if all went well. But obviously all didn't go well, and it looks like Destiny is not the actual game changer that it once was thought to be. So it doesn't need to be anything like Destiny if it doesn't have to be. It needs to be what Borderlands 1 and 2 
were and what made those games so great. And as we see with Anthem, which has sold better than what you and I thought it would, but it's not been the breakout hit, overwhelming success, but it's still sold pretty good. It's still the number two game of the year so far in 2019. So there is a market for those Destiny-ish type games, but I don't think Borderlands 3 needs to follow down that same path. No, and again, that would anger a lot of people if they were to go down that road. It, it, Borderlands is unique, and I think that's why it, so many people are drawn to it. It's unique. You can play with your friends. You don't have to worry about having to be in a constantly online and evolving world because we get enough of that. This is something it's it's self-contained. You can play with your friends or you can play it by yourself, and that's what's always made this game so great because you can do all those things and still have a great time. And, you know, you look at the announcement of, of Borderlands remaster, the first one being remastered, and it comes out April 4th, I want to say. But everyone's going, I'm, I'm, I've heard some groaning about people going, oh, it's $30. But think about it this way. Borderlands 1, you could sink hours upon hours upon hours into that game. I would say it takes longer to play through the first Borderlands with all of the uh, DLC included than it does to play through Skyrim. And that's something like that. That's there's a lot to be said there. There's a lot of game to be played there. And it's not something where you the story is so compelling that you need to play through it. It's just something that you can pick up, have a good time with your friends, play by yourself. And then if something else comes out, you can put it down for a bit and then go back to it. And that's what I've always loved about Borderlands. There's no pressure to to, you know, marathon it. It's just it's a game that is fun to play no matter what the circumstances are. You said Borderlands Remastered is coming April 4th at a price tag of $30. Is that correct? Yeah, $29.99. Okay, fair enough. I know the also I know another $30 game that was announced that's coming, I believe in July, is that new Wolfenstein game that's set in Paris in the 1980s. That looks really cool with the twins, uh, BJ Blaskowitz trying to go ahead and find him. Did you see that video? Yeah, yeah. It comes out July 25th. And what's cool about that one... I love Wolfenstein because the the writers are the I'm having a brain fart. Uh, Ubisoft, not Ubisoft. Uh, Bethesda. Bethesda. Yeah, sorry, I don't know why it's it's late, man. <laughs> so Bethesda was saying that we're gonna keep going back to BJ story. So this is just a this is its own thing. You know, this could be a whole separate timeline that they could keep building upon, but they're not done telling Blaskowitz's story, and that's something that's cool to me is the ability to jump around and still be able to continue storylines of our favorite characters. And that's something I'm excited about when it comes to this game. As am I. So I think it'd probably be a good value for $30 when it comes out late July for the latest version or latest iteration of the Wolfenstein series. That's a series that doesn't get old for me. In fact, I'm playing through the second Wolfenstein right now as we speak. So I'm just enjoying through that. And I cannot wait to get my hands on the next iteration when it comes out in July. But we are talking about right now, we're talking about what's going on with Borderlands 3. They didn't give a street date, did they, as of yet on it? I don't think they did. No, they said next week there'd be more another or more information. But it feels like this game, it, it according to Pitchford, it's been in development for five years now. And... It, this game needs to come out by holiday, I feel like, because a typical dev cycle, unless you're in Final Fantasy or, uh, you know, Nomura territory, a typical dev cycle is usually five to six years. So this game needs to come out soon. I would say if it doesn't come out by holidays or first quarter of next year, 
people are just going to lose interest. I would agree with you on that. I think it needs to come out this year, 2019. And speaking of which, I think Gearbox needs to have it come out by 2019 because in the time since Borderlands 2 was alive and well on retail shelves to the time now, Gearbox has not had any overwhelming successes to the point where as a company, Gearbox is not really in a 100% healthy state. Obviously, you and I have at length talked about the troubles of Randy Pitchford. And when you were watching the press conference, what were your thoughts as far as seeing Randy Pitchford still being the front man for Gearbox? Do you still think that's a plus or a minus overall for the company? He seems like the boss that doesn't really have his act together. You can tell by the way he was reacting to some of the stuff going on stage, how he was, he was, he didn't know what was happening. So he's just reacting and that's not the best way to go about things. And it seems like normally you would practice right before you did a press conference, you'd make sure everything works. And that was something that they didn't do. So Randy Pitchford, at what point does he become a liability, especially with all the stuff going on? He had a lot of energy. I'll give him that. And he knows how to get the crowd hyped. But beyond that, is he the best person to be running Gearbox? I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll, have, we'll have to see. But I don't know. I, I like him, but I, I don't like him, if that makes sense. Hope they check for thumbsticks right around the tables there at the uh, panel rooms. So you know what I mean? I was joking with uh, Brian Kane earlier, and I was gonna, I, he, he had made a joke about, I wonder if someone's going to find his USB drive there. And I, I joked... Wouldn't it be weird if he, they gave free uh, Borderlands USB drives for every purchase of the game? <laughs> I think that would be a great inside joke. Or at least they should have done it there as far as maybe, you know how they do thumbsticks and USB drives for like promotion yeah. materials? The company, right. Yeah, yeah like that would have been a great game. game. Uh, what do you think of the, t- the Tiny Tina card game? That actually could have potential as far as that's something obviously to help Gearbox even more. I mean, obviously, it's worked for The Witcher. You see Gwent is doing real well to the point now it's actually being moved to a mobile format here in the near future. And that has really been a actually surprising aspect of the Witcher experience. So, I mean, I, I don't see it as a minus at all. I think this is something that's not only going to enhance the actual Borderlands world and the Borderlands universe, People will get into it, and if it's done well enough, this could be something that can make a nice chunk of change for Gearbox as what Gwent has done for CD Projekt Red. Yeah, no, it's interesting because it's actually like a physical card game, which is cool because we haven't seen Borderlands really leave the the video game format. So, But this is like an option that I think Gwent is going to go to at some point in time as a physical card game because it's all over PC, it's on the consoles, and now it's going to go to a mobile. I think that's the next step. But it's something that, as a side thing, that has turned out to be, you know, that, that's gotten a life of its own. And this could be the same thing with what we're talking about with Tiny Tina. Yeah, yeah. that'd be. I'm, I'm definitely interested in playing this. I want to find out more about it. And that's, it, it's, you would think that the next logical step of, of tabletop games would be to adapt video games. You and I have been asking for a Mass Effect tabletop game or a role-playing game for some time now, haven't we? Right, right. But even look at... Yeah, yeah, we have. But even look at something like Tides of Numenera, right? That was a tabletop or role-playing game, and they adapted that into a video game, and it, it sold pretty heavily. So there's there's just there's a lot of cross-potential going on that has yet to be realized. You, you know, we got to get that game going, man. Either it's 
Tiny Tina, Stranger Things, D&D, Luminera, something out there. We got to go ahead and one of these days stream it for the Pop Culture Cosmos. Absolutely down. It's just a matter of when. You know, just got to do it when, when, when. But it is something that's coming out pretty soon, hopefully in the near future, and that is Borderlands 3. One last question I want to talk to you about when it comes to Borderlands 3. Your overall impressions of the game going forward and what is the major thing that you want them to stick to that you think will ensure Borderlands 3 be as successful as its previous two iterations? Because we've seen already in the past, in fact, the most recent Tomb Raider, it didn't follow 100% what made the other two so great. So what does Gearbox has to do that will make Borderlands 3 just as good as Borderlands 1 and Borderlands 2? It just needs to keep the the same mechanic because Borderlands is a game you like to play with your friends. So they need to keep that mechanic, whatever they need to do to build upon that mechanic, they need to do that. And also the the vehicle system, I think, is going to be a really cool thing because allegedly you get to ride the skags or fly around on the rack. That's something that could be cool. Yeah. Other than that, though, I would say there's not really a lot that needs to be changed. New environments for sure, which I think they're providing with the the cityscape they showed you more guns i think people would really like to um be able to build their own guns and customize their own characters i think that would be the only thing that i would add to that but i know that each of the characters has their own unique story to play through so and again like i love how they're incorporating all the characters from all the old games kind of bringing the whole franchise together in this game so i'm expect i have high expectations for this game high hopes for this game but there's not really a lot that they could, as long as it's, you know, it's Borderlands. As long as it's Borderlands, I don't really, there's not really a lot that I would recommend they change, except maybe improving their systems that they already have in place. Let's hope that they make sure to go ahead and implement into Borderlands 3 what made Borderlands 1 and 2 so special with gamers. And let's hope Borderlands 3 comes out in 2019 so we can get our hands on it and go ahead and explore the world of Borderlands real soon. What are your thoughts out there on Borderlands 3? Were you excited by the announcement that was made at PAX East? What were your thoughts on the trailer? Are you excited to go back and delve into the world of Borderlands? Do you like the features as far as all the new guns that are going to be there? Over a billion different combinations as far as guns are concerned. Do you like the fact that there's whole bunch of new vehicles and and possibly even the type the titans that were made famous in titanfall you could be in one of those this is something that interests you borderlands 3 as far as a type of loot shooter that is sorely missing right now in today's environment that was done so well then and could be done so well again in borderlands 3 share us your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanity Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. We'd also love to hear your thoughts if Borderlands is the type of game, especially Borderlands 3 obviously coming out, if it's that type of game that you think you know makes it more fun and entertaining than games out there like Apex Legends and Fortnite, which are probably the involvement of what Borderlands 1 and Borderlands 2 once was as far as gamers is concerned. Right after the break, we have got our good friend, Tony Monroy. He's going to be jumping on with us. We're going to be talking about all the great things that Apple announced, including some issues you might have with Apple Arcade, some issues we might have, and some positive things we might have to say about Apple Plus, but also 
This goes back to what we were talking about with Google Stadia and your thoughts on these tech giants putting their foot into the entertainment field and if it's really a good thing. We're going to be talking about that and so much more when it comes to the Apple announcements. Plus on the back end, we're going to be talking about Dumbo's hopeful success at the box office, but is it hampered by Disney itself? We're going to be talking about that and more. This is the PCC Multiverse. Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Thrusted into heavy metal stardom as teenagers with their debut release, Kitty has thrashed and conquered the heavy metal world for the past 20 years. Kitty has defied industry norms, fought back against women and rock stereotypes, and inspired generations since they appeared. And now, for the first time, they've decided to share their untold story. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. So the Apple press conference came out, and it sounds like they're getting ready to jump into the market with Google. Uh, I don't know if their product is something you consider competitive to the Google's Stadia. But at the same time, so these companies, Google and Apple, they're the tech giants, right? They're the things that you always think about as far as tech companies go, the big ones, right? And so now this is the first time they're not just able to coexist with each other. They are attacking each other in a more visible manner than they have in the past. And so I just want to pose this question to you. Do you think that the gaming industry is going to be an unfortunate casualty of this? So I had a conversation on Facebook with Rob McCallum of Rob McCallum Films over this, and uh, didn't really go anywhere because we all know it what that's like. And then also you had a conversation, I believe, on Game Source as well, as far as uh, the comments that were made on that. So yeah, yeah. So I just like d- my fear is that the gaming industry is going to become an unfortunate casualty of these two companies trying to outdo each other. But that's just me, and I'm old-fashioned, too. I also don't want to see games lose their collectability, which is you know, on its way to happening. But what, what are your thoughts after seeing all this? So Google announced their Apple Arcade, which is... 100 games great. that are exclusive to the actual system that takes place that will allow you to play the games on all their platforms, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and that, I mean, and I'll, I'll be the first to admit that I'm guilty of playing games on my iphone right i like the old square games like buying final fantasy one two three or whatever and chrono trigger things like that and going back and playing them and you know those games are exclusive to your your iphone at at the moment and that's cool i like the idea of being able to play them you know wherever i go but it's just it's one of those things where it's are are they going to be isolating devs that should be making triple a titles onto their platform and what's that going to look like because it sounds like google is about to do the same thing it looks like that's the case and with apple though with their arcade apple arcade that's coming out that a hundred titles will be introduced to the platform initially but they are working with several devs and several publishers that are going to be collaborating with them including big names like sega that was i think probably the what got you concerned as far as if sega devotes so much energy and strength to this platform what are they going to do for other platforms like for xbox playstation nintendo what have you my friend you heard the announcement so far as from apple that came out early monday morning 
Before we head into any of the other aspects of their announcement, we're talking about Apple Arcade, which is really, I guess, with Josh and, and some others out there really started a little tit for tat as far as what we have as a standard so far already for video games and what Google Stadia and now Apple Arcade is now trying to do or what they're announcing that they're gonna do for gamers down the road. I am personally on the fence. I'm not exactly minding as much because I kind of like as many options as possible for the gamers out there. Josh is more of a traditional standby as far as he wants to be able to, you know, as much as he can have something tangible physically to collect, have a physical type console like platform. But as this industry trends and the technology trends towards something maybe like a consoleless future, that seems to be more and more the inevitability or the reality for the gaming world. But your thoughts first on Apple Arcade. I heard about it and I thought it was actually pretty funny. It, its announcement came so soon after Google's for what it is. It's me personally, like it didn't draw anything to me. Like I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go out and look into this or anything like that. So I think it'll be... Um, Okay, I don't, it's not my thing personally. I'm more of a like with with both of the things with uh, Apple Arcade and like Stadia. It's just I think there's going to be a lot of like internet issues with it. Not everyone has the internet speed to stream games, but I think it's it's a cool concept. I think it's definitely the way the future is going to eventually end up going. Regardless, it's interesting. I guess is what I can say. Streaming video games or like what they're trying to go for. And, and that's true to an extent it is interesting, but yes, you are at the mercy of whatever platform speed you have in regards to the internet. If you, in some cases like with Google Stadia, their minimum requirements are 25 megabits per second. And who knows when it comes to Apple, you know, it depends on your Wi-Fi or it depends on if you have 4G, 5G, could be 4G LTE, could be 5G, you know, who knows what from there as far as the requirements because they were very vague on that. But it is 100 games coming to that platform, which includes publishers out there that are coming out there. In fact, titles coming from both Sega and Lego. So this could be something that a lot more devs and a lot more publishers head into the future as far as being interested in publishing to not only those platforms, but those platforms exclusively. And that's something I want to ask you, Josh. At some point in time, both Apple Arcade and Google Stadia, if they want to go ahead and make this work, will have to get premium titles exclusive to their own branded content. Uh, and that's going to be something that might alienate a lot of gamers out there. And it sounds like it will alienate you too if they go ahead and say, hey, look, we have this great game that would work well on any platform, but we're going to keep it to all to ourselves. Yeah, it's just, it's kind of, we are, you know, in, in the vein of Apple, it's weird because Apple is synonymous with uh mobile games right mobile games are usually synonymous with garbage so that's just a a weird thing like if you're taking someone who is known for a triple a title or a second party or he's a second party developer that makes decent games you know whether it's a jrpg a role-playing game racing game whatever it is if they're known for making that game on consoles and people know and love that product it's a stupid idea for them to isolate themselves to an apple platform you know, to a platform where you can't you can't play with your friends. There's not not a lot of streaming options. It's just you're you're in it for Apple money. It just does not seem like a good idea to me in the long run. 
and Apple, I they haven't really announced anything as far as do they have a, a gaming controller? I know you have to, if you want to play on your TV, you have to be tied to the Apple TV Plus. What does this all look like? And, uh, you know, I'm not ready for a future with streaming games. And again, like I said earlier, I don't want to see the gaming industry become a casualty of these two tech giants going after each other because that's what it feels like to me at the moment. And, you know, the the, the gaming industry, you know, w- with its big three, it's fam- familiar to people. And it's this, this type of thing, the streaming platforms and these two tech giants going after each other is a way of, I don't know, it just kind of rips apart gaming communities it ruins the collectability like a lot of the stuff that we know and love in the gaming industry it feels like this is dismantling it and i'm just i'm not ready for it some of the stuff is cool i'm i'm meh about the google stadia but if it does even half the things that they say it's going to do it could have a not great consequences for the format of gaming that we have come to know and love well like i said before this is something that was tried before to some extent with OnLive and some other aspects that are that have been tried before as far as the online streaming component. Will this be done right? Will this be done to the extent and, and will it be done to the satisfaction of gamers down the road? I don't think it'll be done as well right away, but I think it's something down the road that is the future of where gaming is going to head to. It will be a consoleless future at some point. I think Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo will eventually come around to that because it just, even though the portability aspects is, is there, smartphones are getting better, cheap, well, they're not getting cheaper, but they're getting better, more intelligent each and every day, each and every time they come out with a new one. They're, you're just getting so much closer to a almost console-like experience. And I see at some point that Nintendo sony and microsoft may throw in the towel or just say you know what we're going to be publishing games or have our own type of onboard online platform service without a console that's going to be needed for any stretch of time because the medium as far as people downloading is just going to become more popular going forward one last thing we want to talk about when it comes to apple arcade and i'll ask you this tony is the quality of the games that are out there that right now like i said it's going to start off with a hundred what do you think they need to go ahead and bring to the Apple Arcade service that is really going to entice you as a consumer? Well, I heard you say earlier exclusives. I personally don't like exclusives, but I think that's what's going to get people drawn into them, whatever it might be. I think that'll that attracts people in. So something on along those lines, um, you said something about Sega partnering with them. That's correct. Sega and Lego have been announced officially as partnering up with Apple on its arcade service. So I imagine we're we're definitely going to see games come there. Maybe we might even see with like with Lego, you could get some of the older Lego games like the Lego Star Wars trilogies and things like that. Might as well put up on that platform for people that were into that. I will personally be upset if there's Sonic Adventure 3 on a mobile platform. I will riot to someone. Hopefully not to me, that's for sure. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> I just, I don't know what might, like, attract me personally to it, because I already have so many games elsewhere. Why Why would I buy into something like this, you know? I, I have the hardware to back it up already, so what am I going to, why would I draw myself down, you know, instead of going forward? For Apple, I think for them it was a minor 
or less important part of the announcement that came from them as far as some other things that they wanted to go ahead and accomplish as far as their press conference is concerned. But for us gamers, it is something that sticks out and says and makes you say, hey, this is the way that they're going in the future. That can only for them mean something that they're either going to go ahead and, and just delve into for real quick and then just blow it off, or they can go ahead and invest some real money down the road and make something out of it. So we'll have to wait and see what Apple's going to do about their arcade. But they did have some major announcements alongside with that. And I think first and foremost was their new Apple TV Plus service that they're going to have very soon, which is going to include a lot of channels such as HBO, Stars, and some other branded content that's going to be available as part of the service. I'm assuming it's similar to what we, we've seen already with what PlayStation does with its own television service and the like. So we're going to see something like that come around as far as Apple is concerned. They also talked about Apple News, the 999 tier for Apple News, as far as I guess they're going to have their own application that's going to go ahead and provide specific news content to their consumers if you want to go ahead and pay for it. The thing that stuck out the most is Apple Television Plus, which includes a lot of their own branded content that's going to be exclusive to Apple TV Plus. I'll start with you, Josh. When you heard that part of the announcement, and like I've said before, YouTube TV, PlayStation View, actually, VUE, and others have tried to do this type of thing before and are currently doing it now where they're offering a lot of channels under the same space, similar to what you do with the cable company and all that. But to some lesser extent, what are your thoughts on Apple TV Plus? Also, the fact that I think the big selling point was that there's a lot of branded content that's exclusive to the format, including some by Steven Spielberg, who might have been giving the finger to Netflix as he was doing so. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of hypocritical, but the uh you, know, you I, think you think it is it is uh, streaming things can't win awards. No, okay, so where I stand on that is weird because like them getting into the streaming market was really just an inevitability. You know, we all knew that it was going to happen. It was just a matter of time till it did. As far as streaming services go, right now like as far as for me to subscribe to something, it has to have a lot of stuff. So like for me, I think Amazon Prime is a good deal cuz you pay what $4 for the extra add-ons and whatever channels you want. If Apple were to offer something like that, but in your more niche cable channels, like I would be all on board for it because I am tired of having all these different payments across all these different platforms just for content. You know, if I could get it all in one place, that would be fantastic. And I'd be totally down for that. Something I could stream on my phone, stream on an iPad, computer, whatever it might be. I'm on board for it. You know, we're, we're, we're getting to the point where you have to subscribe to so many different things in order to get the shows and content that you want where you know it gets to the point where you might as well have cable you might as well keep your cable and i think that's what a lot of cable companies are waiting for because they're waiting for it to all come back around to this one moment of oh hey well people are tired of you know paying ten dollars for 20 different apps to watch the shows that they want they might as well just come back to us and we'll offer them better content or maybe the same content at a lower price so I'm on board for this kind of thing. But again, you know, it all depends on cost and what else they're going to offer because they didn't really give a lot of specifics about what's going to be on there. They just mentioned a few big names. Let me ask you this, Tony. The names were there. Spielberg, like I said before, Steve Carell, Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Aniston, Oprah Winfrey. They were all there talking about the type of content that they're going to provide Apple TV+. Plus. Your thoughts on the interest that people might have in the service 
Is it something that you're going to go ahead and, and look into? Is it something that you think could be the cable killer that, uh, you know, some people think that it might be? Or could it be like what Josh says and what I think as well, because I think Josh said it best for me that it will have a lot of people coming back around to cable once again, because there'll be so many different options out there that people are going to be spending all this, all this, all that, if they want to go ahead and try and have that type of selection. So your thoughts on Apple TV Plus, is it going to be something that is of interest to you? Or is it something like similar to what you've seen already with YouTube TV, PlayStation View, Sling TV, and so many other options that are already out there already? I have a fire stick, so I don't have to worry about any of those things. Does it interest me? No. <sighs> Cable killer. I think everything that comes out now is gonna is like called cable killer so what's actually gonna do it or you know is is cable actually gonna come back around i don't know maybe i i still think cable in itself no matter what you get is just really expensive and either way you have ads on it so let's compare that to something like hulu's live tv you get the same thing you do with cable and it's it's way cheaper so i don't know if people are going to come full circle on that in, in that sense but I do think people are going to get tired, like Josh had said, with having, I, I don't want like 15 apps where I have to switch back and forth just to watch one specific show. That sucks. You know, and like 90% of the other shows are just the same thing. So I don't know if they can bring something different. I do agree with Josh, and I think Amazon Prime is a great deal for things in terms of like movies, TV shows, things like that. That might be like the all around best thing. But I, I wish we would stop seeing so much of this stuff because it's just kind of getting boring. Well, that's a good opinion because you're just so tired of seeing all this stuff. And Josh, I'll let you make the the comparison because that is definitely a good comparison when you talk about all these different options that are available out there. It becomes mind-numbing after a little while, doesn't it? Right. And it's like, okay, I, I put this in our sidebar here, but it's kind of like if touchscreen soda fountains have taught us anything, it's that people don't handle an abundance of choices very well. And especially since the market is being oversaturated with streaming services of all kinds tv shows movies video games now it, it's it feels like it's going to break it's not a very good business model it's not something that is sustainable by the way i like high c orange when i use those machines dude don't even get me started on touchscreen soda fountains it just it, it's the bane of my existence is going into a fast food place and having to wait 20 minutes to get a soda because <laughs> someone can't decide if they want strawberry or vanilla in their coke I like I Dave's cream orange. soda. There you go. <laughs> you just got to do them all. You got to do them all. That, that, that's it. Yeah. I, I see orange. That's all I say. But you're right. It is waiting, you know, one after another, after another. It, it lines up pretty quickly because, like you said, there's one, one person who can't choose and just touch screen. Or if the touch screen itself is not functional or very in, in need of repair and it's kind of, you know, seen better days and you sit there and tap on the screen forever yeah that believe me I, I hear you on that but it is what apple has introduced out there into the marketplace of becoming many of these options from them very soon in apple arcade and it's 100 exclusive games coming to many apple platforms very soon also as well apple tv plus their options as far as not only their own exclusive branded content with several major stars and 
important directors bringing their own material exclusively to it, but also the different options and available channels that you'll be able to get, including HBO stars and much more. That is also coming out as well. No prices were really given outside of Apple News. Their content is going to be $9.99 for their tier as far as what they're offering for their news content. But outside of that, Apple TV Plus and Apple Arcade did not really go into detail about that. But we'll be passing that along on our Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source pages real soon. Like, Please just follow us on our Facebook pages. Twitter and Instagram, and you'll be able to get the latest and greatest information on everything going on with Apple, with Google, and everything else when it comes to streaming and gaming options. I know Tony Monroy, you want to follow him. He's going to be available on Twitter. He's on there all the time. He's available at at WWX Echo. That's at WWX Echo. You can follow him there and then also catch his Twitch channel, Dark Tales with 2Z. That's Dark Tales with 2Z. And then, of course, Josh, my co-host on the PCC Multiverse, you can catch everything that's going on with Humanica Media, including the topic clip shows that he's got coming up as well. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is the PCC Multiverse want to thank our good friend Tony Monroy from GameSource stopping by to go ahead and share his thoughts on Apple Arcade and Apple Plus television service. If you need a listing of where we're being played at, because we're being played all around the world seven days a week on fantastic radio stations and also many different podcast outlets, check out our Facebook page, Pop Culture Cosmos, where you'll also get a not only our radio listings and some of our podcast listings, but you also get the most up-to-date news on the world of pop culture, the latest information that's all right there. Plus Game Source, they'll update you on everything going on in the video game world as well. And don't forget, like us on our Twitter and Instagram. You'll get a lot of great stuff there too. My friend, you've got a great thing going on with Humanica Media. So share the goods, my friend. What is going on with that great experience known as Humanica Media? Topic Ocalypse, I'll get to that this weekend, hopefully, and you'll be able to listen to a new episode of that. But for now, you can check out the gaming footage we got up there and check it out. Stay tuned to the social media pages, and we'll uh, you'll know stuff when we know stuff. And also check out Topic Ocalypse today on their great Topic Ocalypse podcast outlets. Let's also catch all the great things going on at HumanicaMedia.com, HumanicaMedia on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and so much more. My friend, before we head on out, again, we just want to go ahead and thank Tony Monroy from GameSource. But there is more to talk about when it comes to pop culture because there was a lot of information this week. One thing we don't want to miss is Dumbo, a live-action version, a live-action reimagining from director Tim Burton, has come out this weekend to the box office. It's expected to do somewhere in the neighborhood of $50 million, which is a pretty decent start for many movies out there, but for movies such as Dumbo, that's a live action adaptation, 
and it does have a bigger budget than most other movies out there. So it might be that might be considered a little bit on the low end for especially for Disney is concerned. I want to ask you this with Dumbo coming out this weekend sandwiched in between so many good movies that have come out with Captain Marvel that has already come out us although it's not direct competition us it just came out last weekend you've got Shazam which is supposed to also be kind of family friendly fair as well coming out next weekend and then Hellboy we're going to be I'm sure we're going to be talking about that in the near future too cuz that comes out here in a couple weeks your thoughts on Dumbo still managing to find its way through its own market here with Disney and we'll talk a little bit more in a sec about how it compares with the other live action Disney movies coming up but your thoughts on Dumbo finding some success around this time I'm not sure they're going to find it after this week but I want to hear your thoughts if Dumbo can actually find some success out there at the box office you know speaking of Hellboy I already know how the conversation is going to go okay you ready it's going to go well, I really liked it, yada, 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 all the stuff I liked about it. And then you're going to go, well, I don't know, Josh. The uh, box office numbers don't lie, and that's going to be uh, the gist of it. Am I right? Am I leaning in the right direction? Yeah. No, I'm probably going to give you 20 minutes of I miss Ron Perlman. I miss Ron Perlman. Mm, well, David Harbour's not bad. We'll have to see what's going on. Well, that, but that's one thing I want to know. Before you and I go see it, I mean, we're going to. that's one thing we're going to be trying to extrapolate from it is the obvious comparison. How is David Harbour going to compare to the outstanding performance that Ron Perlman gave? Because Ron Perlman, to me, was the embodiment. And as Hellboy, David Harbour looks pretty good in the role, but I'm not sure if he's going to get it quite done as to the level. I'm not sure he has that snarkiness. Do you know what I'm saying? But that, again, is for another day. <laughs> Save for another show. Um, yeah, see, that's how much Dumbo is right now influencing us because it just seems almost like an afterthought to even Disney itself. Yeah, well, it feels like Pete's Dragon. Yeah, Pete's Dragon. Very Christopher good. Robin, too. Christopher Robin. I mean, Pete's Dragon, Christopher Robin, both very good movies. I really enjoyed them. But Dumbo is just, it's one of those properties that, you know, it has been brought out of the vault in a while. And no one really talks about it that much. It's not something that people are like, you know what? I really love a live action Dumbo film, especially in the midst of, you know, these these bigger epic ones, not epic, but like these these bigger scale movies like Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, Mulan's coming out. Dumbo seems like a weird Lion King too. Lion King also. Dumbo just feels like a weird one because it's old. It's a very old movie and it's not really when you ask kids what their favorite movie is, very few, if any of them, say Dumbo. So it just feels like a very I don't know, not not weird, but it's just it's it's it feels like it doesn't belong here. You know, it feels like it belongs in a time slot maybe next year sometime, maybe next like in January or February when Disney doesn't really have a lot of stuff coming out. Then they should put Dumbo out. But for me, it's not something I'm going to see. It's not something I'm excited about seeing. Maybe if I'm forced to watch it at some point, I'll watch it. But I just have no desire, don't really care, was not. As a kid, it was one of the more depressing Disney movies, so I didn't really watch it that often. But that's just me. Where are you standing on this? Well, I will watch it eventually because it's Tim Burton. And uh, as a fan of Tim Burton's work over the years, I want to actually see how he sees the story of Dumbo and how he portrays it on screen. I know it's not getting all the love in the world. It's getting mixed reviews for the most part. It right, sits right now at a 52 on Metacritic, and I know it's a little bit higher on Rotten Tomatoes, but it's not a whole lot higher 
not enough to say, oh, yes, overwhelmingly, it's going to be a great movie or anything like that. So I just think it needed to be something that hit it out of the park in order for it to stand out. And unfortunately, it didn't hit it out of the park. It isn't one of Tim Burton's best movies from what we're reading and what I'm seeing online so far. I'm hoping once audiences are able to go ahead and view this this weekend, that that maybe will change my mind or maybe change a lot of people's minds on how good this movie is or maybe not. So we'll have to wait and see what the numbers dictate. But yes, it, it, to me, it's kind of disappointing that they stuck this here. They almost almost feels like it's forced in this situation, almost like what a wrinkle in time went through. And that's something I want to ask you. Do you think this is 2019's version of Wrinkle in Time, a movie that basically you know, has a history with, in that case, a wrinkle time was an outstanding children's book. In this case, it's an outstanding children's story that was put in a situation where it didn't look like financially, it, was, it just was going to make out at all. Like kind of in between Black Panther and Infinity War, if I remember funny, correctly. Yeah, funny how that is. And this is yeah, sitting in the same exact spot. Disney's kind of cannibalizing themselves. That being said, though, I think a lot there were there was definitely some issue with Wrinkle in Time and how they deviated so far from the book. And I think a lot, even the people who saw it came out pretty unhappy with it. So I'm just I wonder if the uh, the reviews had anything to do with that one not being so great, too. You know, the same thing is applying here with the reviews being mixed and all over the place when it comes to Dumbo. Which is a shame because, like I said, I am a Tim Burton fan. I like to see his movies because he has a unique vision. It's different from many other directors and how they perceive their own films. And I was just hoping to see that audiences would take to it. But I'm not sure that's going to be the case. There is never a time when there's not a Disney movie out right now, it seems like. And that's something that people are going to get really tired of really quick. You know, say what you want about how great superhero movies are and all that, but people are going to get tired of Disney as a name. And, you know, maybe they won't get tired of the theme parks or the stores or whatever, but people will get tired of Disney's presence in the movie theater. And we're already kind of starting to see that. With all signs pointing towards Avengers Endgame, it's going to be hard for the next few weeks for movies like Dumbo, Shazam, and Hellboy to find a large audience with so many people looking forward to Avengers Endgame. What are your thoughts out there on Dumbo? Do you think it will do well this weekend at the box office? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. My friend, before we head on out, I want to make sure everyone knows once again that we've got some great stuff coming out in the latter month of April. You're going to be out here in Vegas, my friend, because we got two great events that we're going to be a part of that a lot of friends as well of ours are going to be there helping us out once for charity and once just for us having a great time. Yeah, that's right. So once we're, uh, yeah, once for charity at Retro City Games, the other one's at the Level Up Expo. So that's pretty exciting. Come check us out. We got a panel going on and we're happy to answer any questions you might have or even if you just want a selfie with gerald himself he will be there with the famous thumbs up don't forget mr joshua right there as well if they want to go ahead and stroke that beard of yours they're probably going to go ahead and say you know what josh i need a selfie with the man with the beard himself like the basketball jersey cards i'll even pluck out a hair and i'll tape it to the autograph for you 
Well, I didn't need you to go that far, but okay. All right. Hey, Whatever you, floats you, your boat, my friend. You open the door, man. I just I stumbled into it. We're going to be at Retro City Games. We're going to be hosting a big-time charity event and video game tournament. That is Thursday night, April 25th, 4 p.m. to 11 p.m. at Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada. All proceeds will be going to Three Square of Las Vegas, the UMC Children's Hospital, and Make-A-Wish of Southern Nevada. And then on the 27th, it's going to be an awesome time because Josh and I are going to be heading up a great panel with our good friends from Game Source, Topic Ocalypse, Retro City Games, Go Brothers Gaming, Mario Party Wars, Fedius, Hyperschmidt are going to be there playing their music. So it's going to be a great time. For ticket information, just go to Level Up Expo, L-V-L-U-P-E-X-P-O, and be part of the fun. It's a great weekend of pop culture at the Level Up Expo. That's Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So you want to get a three-day pass there or a one-day pass to be a part of our awesome panel coming up at the Level Up Expo. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. This week on Myopia Defend Your Childhood. Myopia Defend Your Childhood is so named because I believe we are short-sighted on the things we watched as kids. So every week we watch a movie that one of the panelists grew up watching and see if they hold up from comedy to cartoons or to action. And for this season, the last Thursday of each month, we're doing a TV show in our Myopia Mornings segments. We watch Saturday morning cartoons and afternoon classics. So find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. How will you stand when we put your past on trial? My Ophie Defender Childhood is a member of the ESO Network and produced by Dude Letter Podcasting. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.